called Bible Shorts. And what we've been looking at are these one-chapter books in the Bible. There are five one-chapter books in the Bible. Who can name them? Ready? Obadiah, Philemon, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. All right, how many of you read 3 John this week? Let me see it. There you go. Good job. Read Jude this week, okay? Read Jude this week. So this series has been so fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. Today we're going to be in 3 John. Now, how many of you guys are leaders? Maybe you're a supervisor. Maybe you own a company. Maybe you hire people. Maybe you supervise a division, whatever it might be. Maybe you're a coach. You, you, you lead young men and women, whatever it might be. Maybe you're a leader here at New Hope. You're in charge of a ministry. You lead a life group. You lead Bible studies. Whatever it might, how many of you guys would say that you're leaders in some capacity? Amazing. Yeah, a lot, a lot of leaders. You're going to love this letter. You're going to love this letter because John's letter gives us a description of what real leadership looks like, and it also gives us a description of every leader's worst nightmare. <laughs> I mean, sometimes as leaders, you got to deal with difficult people. That's part of it. And we see that um, here um, in this letter here in, uh, um, in 3 John. In 2 John, John encourages us to walk in the truth. Remember the difference between being on the bank and being in the river? Walking in the truth. And, and John also um, um, encourage us to be able to defend our faith and be willing to defend our faith and to be able to keep from going astray. Remember, you had these false teachers that we looked at last week in 2 John, and they were, they were teaching a little twist on who Jesus was, that he wasn't really, uh, uh, that he wasn't a person, that he wasn't in the flesh, that he was only spirit. And so John tells the church, he tells them, do not accommodate these traveling itinerant pastors so in those days, churches met in homes. And so you had these itinerant, these traveling teachers that would go around teaching different things, trying to get a following, trying to encourage the church, things like that. Well, you had a group that weren't teaching the right things. And in 2 John, this church encountered that. And John said, do not give them a platform in your house, church, to teach a false teaching. And do not identify publicly with them, because if you do, you're kind of putting a stamp of approval on what they're teaching on their falsehood. Well, this week, John praises one of the leaders for being accommodating to these traveling pastors. And so we have, hey, don't accommodate bad, false teachers, but it's very important to accommodate teachers that are teaching, um, that are teaching the truth. I put a quote in your notes, it's at the very top, and it's a great quote, especially if, you, if you're into leadership. It says, good leaders lead by personal influence and example. They don't demand allegiance or unilateral loyalty, but rather influence action from a humble yet confident posture. Bad leaders lead by title and dictation. They demand, in, they demand work done in their way and refuse to relinquish control. They project outward confidence to mask deep insecurity. So that's a great quote. So turn to 3 John. 
It's in the back of your Bible, so just go to your New Testament, go to the book of Revelation, turn left, you'll have Jude, and then you'll have 3 John. So as we're kind of contrasting these two leaders in the church, try to identify these attributes of a good leader and attributes of a bad leader because we see both. So he begins in verse 1, the elder, this is John. Remember, there's two famous Johns in the New Testament. You have John the Baptist, who's the forerunner for Jesus, and then you have John the disciple or John the apostle. Those are two different people. John the apostle is the one who has written this letter. And so disciples became apostles after Jesus' death. The disciple is like a learner, a student, someone that's taught. The word apostle means to be sent off or to be sent away. And so these disciples became apostles after the death and resurrection um, of Jesus. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, uh, all these little Johns in the back, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he, and he wrote the, uh, um, the book of Revelation as well. So this is John the Apostle, probably the last remaining living apostle at this time, revered in the early church, which is what makes this letter so disheartening. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And so we see Gaius, um, we'll see his example of walking in the truth, but John loves Gaius. He's a, a dear friend. John is probably mentoring. Gaius is probably the pastor or the leader of this local church. Beloved, I pray that in all aspects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are walking in the truth. This was his lifestyle. That's what walking means. He's living in the truth. This is who he is. I have no greater joy than this, than to hear my children walking in the truth. John is not referring to his biological children. He's referring to those that he's mentored, you know, people that see him as like a spiritual father. Verse 5, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. He's speaking specifically about these traveling itinerant preachers. John, or excuse me, Gaius is treating them properly. He's showing them hospitality. He's loving them, even if he doesn't know them. And those traveling itinerant pastors, as they go around preaching the gospel, they're talking about how great a leader Gaius is, and how loving he is, and how accommodating he is, and what a good example he is. For they went out for the sake of the name, speaking of these traveling preachers, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They don't get any support from non-believers, only from the church. So John says we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. In other words, when we help them and we bless them, we're partaking in the fruit of that work. And then we see every leader's worst nightmare. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. Look at these attributes of a bad leader. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words 
And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either. And he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. In other words, these traveling preachers that are doing the right thing, that are preaching truth, that are walking in truth, that are preaching the gospel, Diotrephes is not being hospitable. He's not taking care of them. Matter of fact, people that do what they're supposed to do, what John is instructing them to do, and what the Bible instructs us to do, when these people do this, Diotrephes puts them out of the church. He kicks them out of the church for being hospitable. And John, you got to love John, he's in his 90s. When I get there, I'll deal with him. <laughs> you got to love it. John says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not even seen God. Demetrius, who's another fellow worker in the Lord, has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. You might say, well, how in the world did Diotrephes get a position, get a leadership position? And maybe verse 2, we don't know, it's just speculation, but perhaps verse 2 gives us a little clue that maybe Gaius was ill, he was sick during a time, and Diotrephes, who's probably type A leader personality, matter of fact, most Bible scholars believe that he probably came from a well-to-do, maybe even a royal family, so he's kind of used to having his way, and, and he kind of took the leadership reins, possibly why Gaius was sick. I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write to you with them in pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you, the friends greet you, greet the friends by name. And so you can follow along in your notes. We're going to run through these really quick. What true leadership looks like. If you've downloaded our New Hope Eastlake app, you can follow along there. We see some incredible attributes of what a real leader looks like. The first one is this, is that we see with, with Gaius that he was emotionally healthy. He was spiritually healthy, and we see that reference in verse 2. In verse 3, we see that he had a good reputation, even with people that he didn't know well or didn't know at all. He treated people properly. The third attribute that we see is that he lived out his faith. He walked the walk and he talked the talk. He didn't just command people to do things. He lived it out himself. And then the last thing in verse 5 and 6 we see with Gaius is that he treat, treated everybody with love and with sincerity and with kindness. And then we see every leader's worst nightmare in Diotrephes. Man, Diotrephes did not respect authority. We see that in verse 9, which just is amazing, amazing to me. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Diotrephes is a gossip. He's critical about everything. He's got a critical spirit, and he's power hungry. And then third, we see in verse 11, where John says, don't follow what is evil, follow what is good. Diotrephes is a horrible example to others, to the church. You know, at New Hope, we have the privilege of having a few pastors that attend here on a regular basis. We have some pastors who are retired, some who have pastored churches, and maybe they're, they're in between churches or they're doing something uh, different in a season of their life. We also have some pastors that are serving in our military as chaplains, and that's encouraging to me to know that we have some amazing people that bring their families here, um, that trust that this is a place where they're going to hear God's word. And one of those pastors that's going to be joining me on stage here in just a minute is Pastor John Wright. Him and his wife Martha attend here. Their family attends here. 
Pastor John Wright, he's pastored three churches over 28 years. Uh, he served in the Army Reserve as a chaplain from 81 to 05, and he retired as a colonel. He served on active duty at the 91st Training Division in 2003 as brigade and division chaplain. He served as a, a hospital chaplain at San Francisco uh, VA Medical Center until he retired in 2019. You know, John serves on our prayer team. He prays with me nearly every Sunday before I go up to speak. And I thought it would be amazing to have his wisdom, his experience on leadership as we look at 3rd John. Would you give Pastor John Wright a big welcome this morning? Come on up. Where is the mic? I'm not leaving. Sorry, I've had a busy morning, man. I forgot your mic. Let's see here. Let's get this thing on. There we go. Let me make sure it's on. There we go. Mute off is on. Great. Test, test it out. Yes, we're good now. Okay. Whew, what a morning. One of those days. So, hey, I thought it would be so good to, um, to hear from, from Pastor John and just his experience. This whole letter is about church leadership and about attitudes within a church. And I thought it would be so great just to, just, just to hear um, from your insight and your years of experience um, in ministry. So we see two leaders here. We see Gaius, who is you know, a great leader and he has some tremendous attributes as a leader. What part of Gaius stands out to you um, and why is that important when it comes to being a leader, not just in church, but also in the marketplace? I would uh, sum it up, which I think his whole life was like, mm. uh, that he loved God with all his soul, and he loved people. He loved God's people. So it says that he, he walked in the truth. So the truth of Jesus, the truth of Christ, he was very faithful to that and in proclaiming that and showing that in his life. And then he loved God's people. And so uh, it's so easy for pastors, for leaders, uh, like the scripture says, to, to lose their first love. The first love is not myself. Yeah. It's to love God first, love others. And then you can appreciate and love yourself and the gifts and skills God has given you. So he loved God and he loved others and showed it in his life. You know, you mentioned earlier about how much John loved him and that he, uh, uh, John would know that. Will you, will you talk yeah. about that a minute? I thought that was a great point. Yeah, in first John, uh, John in, says that he is beloved, that Gaius is mm. a beloved friend. Now, John knew personally what that meant yeah. because John was the disciple of Jesus and Jesus called John the beloved, the beloved one, his dear friend. And so John now sees someone in Gaius who is acting like Jesus. And he says, Gaius is the beloved one, and passed that on to him. You know, um, no leader is perfect. Um, in this church, we see a Diotrephes who's not a good leader. Um, I mean, even Jesus had a Judas, right? So just because you're a good leader 
doesn't always mean that you're going to produce other good leaders. Um, no leader is perfect. No leaders make mistakes. But why is it important for a leader to be a good example? Not just say do this, but but understanding that not everyone is perfect. But why is it important for a leader to be a good example? Well, the best way to learn is to have someone show you, yeah. not just tell you. So let's say you want to know directions to some place. And uh, someone says, well, you go down there and you see that boulder and you see that tree and turn right and you go that way and then you go that way and you go on. Well, the best way to know the way is the person says, I'll show you. I'll go before you. Follow me. I'll show you the way. So the best way to learn is not by just listening to what they say, but have someone show you. And when I was in training for uh, the military and in classes for supervision and leadership, one of the chapters in the book said, before you talk and give orders, you need to be and you need to do. So being is your character. Do you show it in your character in your life? And then doing, do you show it in your actions? And then if you do those two, people will listen. Mm. So that's the best way to learn. You know, you, um, in our conversation this week, um, in preparing for, for this, you, you told me that you grew up in India. And one of the things that we see with Gaius, and during this time, it was so important to be hospitable, um, um, to, to, um, to have this attribute of, of taking care of other, especially these traveling itinerant preachers. And you talked about growing up in India and, and, and how important that was, not only to you guys and your family, um, but also that it was a tremendous virtue to have, and it was seen as a virtue. Yeah, hospitality for thousands of years in many Eastern cultures mm. has been one of the highest virtues. Uh, whether you w knew God or not, to show hospitality to people, mm. even to strangers in your home. And a couple things I remember from uh, growing up there. Uh, also, just uh, for your safety, if, if you're a foreigner mm. and you go to another country and and things are strange and you're not used to the food or the water or whatever, you need people who will take you in and help you be safe and uh, watch over you. Uh, one time my parents went to a village, they didn't, they didn't have that person with them, and uh, they were invited into a, a person's home and they served uh, some food and uh, some tea Maybe the water hadn't been boiled enough. My mother drank it. And very soon after that, she contracted typhoid fever. Terrible, terrible illness. She had to leave us for at least six months and go to a hospital sanatorium. My little brother was just one year old. Uh, we had a very loving maid called her Aya. And she took care of him the second year of his life, while my mom was trying to recuperate. By God's grace and healing, she did come back to us. But see, she was in danger because she didn't have that kind of protection. Another thing that stands out to me is when I went 
uh, when I was in seminary, about 10 of us students uh, went with our mission professor back to India for a month to travel around and do some teaching and preaching and singing. And um, uh, we were invited to this little village out in the country. And then uh, a couple in the church wanted to invite us to their home. And it was a little hut, a little mud hut with the, the packed mud floor and the thatched roof. And, um, and they had chairs for us to sit in so we didn't have to sit on the floor. And then, to my astonishment, they brought out for each one of us a cold bottled Coke. <laughs> now, you, you can't imagine. I was so amazed, surprised, and humbled. And after that uh, meeting there, our professor said to us, you know, every one of those Cokes they served, cost them at least one whole day's work. Mm. Mm. Talk about hospitality. Yeah. And all we could do was just receive it so graciously. Yeah, that's amazing. I, um, I remember being in Africa, and we were building these homes and schools there, and, and one of the local families had invited us over for dinner. And mm. it just amazes me, like they took so much pride in making this huge spread, this incredible meal, and they, the way they displayed it, and it was like, like we were honored to be there to serve, and like they were, it's it just the mindset, the attitude of just wanting to honor people um, that were there, it was just, it, it just, it, it amazed me how, how amazing the meal was, and more than we needed, it was so gracious, so gracious. Um, so with leadership, comes a lot of pressure. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure with leadership, expectations, especially church leadership. You know, a lot of times pastors are expected to be counselors, to be accountants, to be Bible teachers, to be HR professionals, to be public speakers, to be, to be janitors, you name it, everything. <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. Um, what is the best way that we can support um, pastors or spiritual leaders, because diatrophies was being a major problem to Gaius and to John. Um, he was not helpful. Um, he was not doing what the Bible teaches. You know, the Bible teaches that our pastors, teachers are worthy of double honor. And diatrophies is, oh my gosh, guys, horrible. So what can we, what, what, what can people do? What can we do to, to support our pastors and, and spiritual leaders? The, uh, the first thing that came to mind may seem a little odd. Mm. But I would say don't blindly follow or give your allegiance to them. The scripture says when you have a leader teaching you, whether it's in a class or in a Sunday school class or in preaching, teaching, to test their words by what the word of God says. Mm. So you want to be in the Word. You want to know what the Word says. If the pastor or teacher says something and you think, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know about that, you want to go to the Word of God, the Bible, and check it out. See? Now, don't go around and, and start gossiping, <laughs> yeah. spreading rumors about them behind their back. Yeah. You know? But you want to test it by God's Word. So you want to be grounded in God's Word. 
Yeah, can and I then, interject for, yeah. for just a second? Because this is so important, especially in our day, we, we kind of live in a celebrity-obsessed culture, yeah. even celebrity pastors, um, leaders, stuff like that. And a lot of times we just blindly, because they're charismatic, because they're great orators, because they have great stories, we just kind of blindly retweet and follow and think, oh, they're the best, you know, whatever. And we, and we do we even check to see if they're even preaching God's word or are they just charismatic? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are they just great, like, motivational speakers or are they actually preaching God's word? So that's a great, that's great point. Uh, second thing I would say is to pray for your leaders. Yes diligently pray for God's uh, strength, His anointing, His protection upon them. There are spiritual forces yeah. that are out to discourage and discredit anyone who speaks God's word and who shows God's love to people. So pray for Pastor Rick and the other leaders and, and for their family members. Mm. It's so important. Uh, and then volunteer to give of your time, your treasure, and your talent to support the leaders and to share the load upon them. Mm. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 in the Bible, it kind of gives the model organization yeah. for how a church should function and operate. And it says God gives leaders like pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles and missionaries to equip the saints or the believers to equip the believers to do the work of service of the ministry so you are those ministers yes all of you god wants to have you taught and equipped through the leaders so that you are able to meet one another's needs and serve each other and also serve outside of the church. That's how the church should function. It's not all just that the pastor does everything. Yeah. If the pastor has to try that, he won't be able to do anything very well. Mm. So. Yeah, that, that's a great point. You, you know, John, what amazes me is, is we see diatrophies this is incredible to me, how disrespectful he is to Gaius and to John. I mean, John is probably the last living apostle. He walked with Jesus. And it says that Diotrephes confiscated one of John's letters that he had sent to, one of the, to, sent to, the, that he sent to the church, and that he was speaking evil words and rumors and things about John. And it just... It, it blows me away. Why is this so dangerous mm -hmm. to, um, you know, the Bible tells us that, that, that we're to honor our spiritual leaders, and it just blows me away that Diotrephes is so disrespectful mm -hmm. to Gaius and to John. Um, why is that so dangerous, and why is it important to, to honor our spiritual leaders? Well, you know, the first phrase about Diotrephes in this letter is, mm. he loves to be first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The principle is you've got to love God first. Yes. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You don't put yourself first. You can see how damaging that is for him to put himself first. And then uh, he's to be 
the leader is to be a representative and ambassador for Jesus Christ. Mm. We're not to become little Christ, call people to put their attention on us and imitate us. We're, we want them to imitate Jesus. Yeah. We want them to be like Jesus. Mm. So we want them to see him through our lives. Another thing, that kind of behavior is extremely divisive and destructive. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's job is to bring the unity yes. of the church in love and peace. That is the greatest witness to the world, is the unity of God's people and the love they have for one another. And you can see how division, being divisive, is terribly destructive. You know, usually... Uh, the damage to the church doesn't come from without. Yeah. Uh, one time I was in a musical, and it was a it was a, a statistic uh, message saying how the church can think they're like the fortress to keep the world out. You know, put up our big walls and our righteousness and our our worship and keep the world out you know, and keep us pure within. That's not what we're about. But to be like Jesus. Yeah. Him first and then others second. Mm. Yeah, be, be a lubricator, not an agitator. <laughs> um, um, you know, I haven't always been a lead pastor. I was a youth pastor, an assistant pastor, and um, I think one of the reasons why God has always blessed me with such a great unified church and staff is because I think I always honored my pastor. Um, one, of the, one of the churches I was a youth pastor at, it was kind of an old school church, and my pastor was very old school, and he believed King James only. You could only use a King James Bible. No NIV, none of the other stuff, only King James. Well, isn't that, uh, isn't that what Paul used <laughs> and read? <laughs> there was no such thing. Back, but anyway, so, so he was King James only, and you know, and I wasn't really, I mean, I hadn't been a believer that long. And I was a youth pastor. I'm like, thou, thee, the, to the youth? Like, really? But you know what? I did it. I did it. Do you know why? Because my pastor asked me to. And I honored him. Did I agree with it? No. But I honored him. Um, before I started here, I worked at Shadow Mountain for several years. And, and uh, you guys know me. Um, I'm very informal. My boss, Pastor Jeremiah, is very formal. Suit, tie, slacks, amen. Somebody said amen. He, he, he's very formal. Um, he never one time asked me, you, you, you have to wear this, you have to wear that. Never one time. But you know what? Every time Nora and I went to his home, every time I had a meeting with Pastor Jeremiah, every time he asked me to pray over communion or to do announcements or to pray for offering, I always put slacks, dress shoes, a button-up. Now, the tie was a little too far, so I didn't go there. But I, but I, but I, I, I dressed up. Not because I like, I, I cannot, st I'm so uncomfortable in dress clothes. I can't stand dress clothes. But I wore it every single time to honor him, to be respectful of him, and because I just knew that was his preference, and I think God blesses that. Right. You guys know um, Pastor Russ and Janie still attend here. They're the founders of this church. 
I'm the lead pastor, but they still attend. They're on vacation right now. Um, every single time Pastor Russ speaks, and this is intentional, the person who's doing the announcements or whether we're doing an announcement video or whether it's me, we always say, listen for it because we say it every time, what an honor and a privilege it is to have our founding pastor Amen. speak today. Yes. Every single time we say that, that's intentional. And since I've started, I've done everything I can to make sure that we honor and respect. Pastor Russ and I are very different. <laughs> very, very different. Our ministry philosophy, personalities, we're very different. I'm the lead pastor, but I do whatever I can to make sure our staff, our church honors them and respects them. And I think God will bless that. He already has. Amen. Um, That's um, right. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so what advice would you give people, and we're wrapping up here, um, maybe that are dealing, maybe they're in a leadership role and they're dealing with a person like Tyotrophes, which is a thorn in their flesh, difficult. Like, what advice would you give to people that have to deal with a person like Diotrephes, mm -hmm. a just difficult, stubborn, mm -hmm. <laughs> me-first person? Uh, that's extremely difficult. Uh, most of us don't like confrontation. Uh, and so um, a lot of times we see something that, that bothers us, especially in the church where, you know, we're taught to be all loving and kind and... And uh, it's very difficult to approach anybody and share a concern and seem confrontational. Uh, and so I would say the first thing is, if you ever have a concern like that about a leader in the church, is you pray. Yeah. You pray for them, you pray for yourself. If that still nags at you and you're still, you're not settled about it, you don't have the peace, then you can go the next step. The next step is to approach them one-on-one. -on -one. Don't be gossiping about yes. them in your group or, or in your family or especially on social media. Yeah. That's terribly, terribly yes. damaging. But you go to them one-on-one -on -one and, and you share your concern with them. You use the I language. I, I, I feel this, I'm sensing this, I'm, I'm concerned about this, let me share this with you. Now, if they don't want to hear it, and they just, they don't get it, they're not concerned, then the next step is, the scripture says, get two or three witnesses, other people who've concerned about this. And then those, that group goes to the leadership body of the church. Almost every church has an administrative, somebody of uh, deacons or elders or people that are elected to, to deliberate on the major decisions of the church. And so you would go to that body and ask to share your concerns there. And everybody in prayer works on it like that. So I would say that's the, how the scripture teaches to deal with that. You know, and this works in your businesses also. You know, first pray. Pray for that person. Pray for yourself. Go to them one-on-one, -on -one, you know. Uh, you may have to, if they don't want to listen, get some other people who have concerns. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so let's wrap up with this. You know, the greatest leader of all, and I think the greatest example of leadership is Jesus. So we always try to point people to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came to serve, not to be served, and give his life as a ransom for many. He says the first shall be last, 
And so the business world and church leadership's a little bit different. Um, the higher you get in church leadership, you're supposed to be the greatest servant, but that also is a good model for the business world. Um, and so we always look to Jesus as the greatest leader, and, and, and it's important for us um, to model what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't about doing what he wanted all the time. It was about what's best for the kingdom, and, and Jesus always served. Jesus always served. Um, is vital. And so I want to always, in our lives as leaders, if you're a leader in whatever capacity you are, always look to the example of Jesus and the type of leader um, that he was. Thank you so much. Wasn't this good? Like, just thank you so much. Um, when I was praying about this message this week, I, he, he came to my mind. And so I called him and he's more than gracious to, to do this with me, both services. So thank you for your leadership, for your service to our country, for praying for me every single week, and, and for what you've done and what you're still doing in the kingdom of God. Because if I'm not dead, I'm not done. God's still got stuff going on and still wants to work in your life. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. And uh, you guys can stand up with me. Let's pray. And... Uh, uh, thank you so much for being here today. Read Jude. Father, thank you so much for your blessings, and I'm just so grateful for John and for Martha and just for their family. Just thank you so much for the way he has served. They have served the church and our country. Just super grateful for that. Lord, just continue to bless them, watch over them, protect them. And Father, I pray for each person here today. Um, I pray that if there are leaders here today, God, I pray that you help us to be like you, help us to see these attributes that Gaius displayed, and help us to live those out in our lives and in our places of work or in our families and our communities. And Father, if there are some people that are maybe struggling, maybe they have a little bit of diatrophies in them, Lord, sometimes we have to look in the mirror as leaders and, and ask ourselves if we're being good leaders. And Father, if there are people that maybe are struggling in some areas of leadership, we can go to your word that gives us insight and direction for everything. And so God, I just pray for each person here today. Thank you so much for them. Thank you for your example of leadership, servant leadership um, that we see throughout the scriptures. So much so that you went to the cross to give yourself as a ransom for many. Thank you so much for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to New Hope this week. You know, the church doesn't stop when the video does. And make sure that you share this with a friend. You can even support what we're doing via the Give button here on the left. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single Sunday. And we cannot wait to see you this week, either in person or online. Have a great day.